If you have a copy of God's Word, please turn to John chapter 18. That's where we want to read from this evening. John chapter 18. And we're going to break in at verse 33 and read down to the end of the chapter. John 18 and the verse 33. In the lead up to what we are reading now, we see that Judas has betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that Peter has denied Christ. Christ is now, in a sense, all by himself, led away to be judged by the high priest, Caiaphas. And he has just been judged by Caiaphas, and now he's been sent to Pilate to be judged by the Roman authorities. John 18, verse 33. Here we read in God's Word. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom, that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Amen. We pray that God will speak to us through his word tonight. It's a very solemn passage, but so much truth contained within this passage. And we will come to think of it in a moment's time. Please turn again to John chapter 18. I just want to read again two verses from the end of that chapter. John chapter 18, and we'll read again verses 37 and 38. John 18, and verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Let's bow in a word of prayer and let's seek for the Lord's help and guidance as we think upon his word for a moment's time. 
Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for the words of the hymn that we've been singing. We thank you that there is that invitation to those that are outside of Christ to come to Jesus Christ, to come and to know him. We thank you for the words that he cried upon the cross, it is finished. And it will suffice that he has completed the work for us. He has made a perfect sacrifice. He has made a perfect and complete atonement for our sins. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, as we come now to think upon these words here that we have read for a short while this evening, I pray that the gospel would be simple. I pray that it would be clear. I pray that it would be direct. Lord, I pray that it would pierce the hearts of men and women tonight. Saved and unsaved, Lord. For those that are saved, may they be encouraged. May they be comforted, Lord, hearing the gospel afresh one more time and seeing Christ in all of his fullness. Lord, for those that are unsaved, Lord, show them what truth really is and draw them unto thyself. Be with us now. Give us the earnest of our inheritance. Give us the Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Many questions down through the years have puzzled the minds of the great thinkers. Socrates, Aristotle, all of these Greek philosophers and right up to our modern day. Who are we? What is our purpose? Why are we here? And perhaps the most perplexing question of all, why are there so few gingers in the world? We only make up 2% of the world's population. Uh, But don't worry, I've been assured by the scholars on Google that even though we are few in number, we won't go extinct. Apparently it's impossible for us to go extinct. But all joking aside, perhaps one of the greatest questions that we could read of, and one of the greatest questions that we could ask, was that question that Pilate asked here in verse 38 of John 18. He asked, what is truth? In this chapter, we have seen that Jesus is brought before the high priest Caiaphas. He is questioned by him, who then sends Jesus on to Pilate to face his Roman judgment and sentence. Pilate prods Jesus with many different questions, and he, in a sense, finishes off his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ with a very flippant response. In verse 37, we have read there what Jesus said to him. He said, to this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. And every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate then responds with that all-important question. What is truth? What is truth? Clearly, Pilate didn't realize how significant a question that was. He didn't realize the significance of the person who was standing in front of him. It was a most important question. In that time, and it is still a very important question for us to ask. For every one of us to know the answer to that question. What is truth? And so with that question in mind, I would like us to consider what is truth? It is one of life's most crucial questions. And there are many different uh, people in our culture today. There are many different groups in society today. That will give you a different version of truth. If you ask them. Or perhaps they will even deny that truth can be known. But as St. Augustine said, all truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. And with that in mind, let us consider some gospel truths this evening. 
First of all, I would like you to consider the foundation of truth. The foundation of truth. Because the foundation of truth itself is the scriptures alone. Sola scriptura, as the reformers put it. John 17 verse 17 makes that very clear. Christ there says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Whatever God speaks is truth because he is the source of all truth. The Bible isn't true because we as the Free Presbyterian Church affirm it to be so. The Bible isn't true because it's the best-selling book in the world, which it is. But the Bible isn't true because of any of these other reasons. The Bible is true because it is God's word. As we know from 2 Timothy 3.15, as it puts it there, it is breathed out or inspired by God himself. It is without error. And the Bible is true, therefore, because God is true. David said in 2 Samuel 7, verse 28, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true. Thy words be true. Therefore, since all truth flows from God, and his words are revealed to us in Scripture, then it is the only place that we can find 100% reliable truth and a 100% reliable source of truth. And this is so foundational, I really want you to understand it. If you miss this first point, if you miss the foundation of our truth, that it is the Bible alone, then the rest of what we will think of tonight will have no bearing on you whatsoever. The Bible is the key to knowing truth. And so we ask the question, well, what does the word truth here in the Bible mean? When Pilate asked that question, what is truth? Well, what is that word truth? In the Greek, it is the word aletheia. It's related to a word which literally means that which cannot be hidden. That which cannot be hidden. It conveys the idea that truth is always there. It is always available for us to see. With nothing being hidden from sight or obscured from our vision. And this aligns with many of the philosophical ideas of truth. They will say the truth is that which corresponds to reality. Truth is what is real. Last week we had the harvest service here in Lisbon. We saw that the church was filled with fruit and vegetables and all the different tokens of God's faithfulness. That is true. They weren't hidden from us. These tokens weren't hidden from us. You saw them up here in the church, out in the foyer. You saw them all across this church. That was true. These decorations weren't hidden from us. We didn't have to go on a hunt to try and find the decorations. Perhaps those that were putting them up had to hunt to find them. But we, as we came into the building, we saw them plain as day. And that was truth. They were visible. And the same can be said of truth. It is plainly visible in the scriptures. If the Bible is not true, if, if it is wrong and cannot be believed then our foundations are destroyed. We have no hope. We have no faith. We have no rules. Psalm 11, verse 3, tells us that the, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the Bible is not absolute truth, and if there is no absolute truth, because any other theory... Humans, we as human beings will come up with falls so far short of what truth is. 
Relativism is a common truth that people aspire to today. It is that all truth is relative and there is no such thing as absolute truth. But then one has to ask the question, if the claim that all truth is relative, is that a relative truth or is that an absolute truth? Skepticism, it doubts all claims of truth. But I wonder, are are skeptics even skeptical of their skepticism? Of their belief system? The agnostic says that you cannot know truth, yet they hold to that one truth, that truth cannot be known. Pluralism, that is what is so popular in our culture today, that theory of pluralism. It states that all truth claims are equally valuable and equally true. They're equally valid. However, this goes against one of the fundamental principles of logic. It is called the law of non-contradiction. It states that something cannot be true and not true at the same time. That's a basic law of logic. We cannot say that a baby weighs eight pounds and at the same time it does not weigh eight pounds. It's illogical. The spirit behind pluralism is that of an attitude of, of tolerance, being tolerant to people and their views. However, it goes against the very basic laws of logic. And a philosopher once put it like this, pluralism is desirable and tolerable only in those areas that are a matter of taste rather than a matter of truth. I might like hash browns. You might not like hash browns. That's a matter of taste, not truth. And so this leaves us with one conclusion. That there is absolute truth. And the absolute truth is that of God's truth. And therefore God being truth, what he says is absolute truth. And we have recorded for us the very word of God. His truth. God has revealed his words to us. So that we might know what truth is. Contained within the pages of scripture. And that's the foundation of truth. Miss that, and you'll miss the rest of what we say this evening. So please know that that is the foundation of truth. The Bible, God's inspired word. Secondly, I want us to think about our fall from truth. We've thought about the foundation of truth, but there is also our fall from the truth. Because 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says there that if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. This is how many people are deceived today. Nowadays people, they don't want to be told that they are wrong. I must say that ever since I've got married, I've been used to being told that I'm wrong. She's usually right, to be honest. It's become second nature. But today, generally people don't being like told that they are wrong. And what they are doing is wrong. It's okay to say that 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's fine. That is true. But when it is claimed that all other answers other than 4 are wrong, then that is where people, they throw accusations around of being narrow-minded. Some will claim that it is arrogant for people to say that anything other than 4 is false. But is it arrogant for a maths teacher to insist that there is only one right answer in a problem of arithmetic? Or is it wrong or arrogant for the locksmith to state that there is only one key that will open a locked door? Is that arrogance? Is that narrow-mindedness? 
I wonder tonight, are you someone who thinks that it is narrow-minded to believe that we cannot know truth apart from God? Do you believe that it is arrogant for a preacher to say from the pulpit that if you have never sinned, then you're a liar? And the truth is not in you. Because my friend, God himself says that if we think we have no sin, 1 John 1 verse 8, if we think we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Because the truth is that you have been corrupted and killed by sin. We have all been corrupted and killed by sin. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says there that we are dead in trespasses and sins. Dead. Not sick, not suffering with a disease. We are dead. Unable to bring ourselves back to life. Sin has killed you spiritually. How did sin enter in? Well, it came into this world. And it came upon you. The very moment that you were born. Psalm 51. I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me, David says. Every one of us has this problem. That we have fallen from the truth. That the truth is no longer in us, naturally. And you may ask, well, why did that happen? Why did sin come into this world and affect us all? Because we disobeyed God. We disobeyed Him. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God's commandment. To not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. R.C. Sproul, he said that this was an act of, of cosmic treason. Against God. In fact, he describes sin itself as cosmic treason against God. God formed this world and all that is in it in Genesis chapter 1. And then we read that he breathed the breath of life into man, and man became a living soul. He gave man everything that he needed, created a perfect world for him, created him perfectly, and yet man chose to disobey God. We choose to disobey God. We willfully disobeyed him. And choose rather to do that which was right in our own eyes. And people are still doing this today. I wonder do you realize that that is what your sin is. Cosmic treason against the holy God. Cosmic treason against the holy God. I'm sure that you all know what the punishment for treason is. It's death. And that is why the Sanhedrin sent Jesus across to Pilate. Did you notice there that the question that fascinated Pilate was that question of the kingship of Jesus? There in John 18, verse 33, he asked Jesus the question, Art thou the king of the Jews? And then again in, in verse 37, he asked the question, Art thou a king then? If Jesus was claiming to be a king, then he would be guilty of treason. Treason is an act of betraying one's country, especially in attempting to overthrow the sovereign of a land. And so the Sanhedrin were hoping that the Roman government would come in, would find Jesus guilty of treason, and would be able to sentence him to death. Would get him out of their hair, and get him gone for good. But what I want you to understand is this, if treason against earthly monarchs and sovereign carries the punishment of death. How much greater is the act of committing treason against a supremely sovereign God who formed us, who fashioned us, 
who made us in his own image, and then we who willfully rebelled and disobeyed him. How much greater is that treason? When we sin, we are attempting to overthrow God's authority and assert that we are the truth and not God. This is what I, why I want you to understand, as some Puritans called it, the sinfulness of sin. Do you realize how great your sin is before God? Do you realize how much judgment you're heaping on your own head by continuing in your sin? You continually commit cosmic treason against God. Do you realize how much we have all fallen from truth? And how we need someone to bring us back into relationship to the fountain and head of all truth. Do you see our fall from truth? We continually disobey God. We continually disregard him. We are continually committing cosmic treason against him. If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. And so there is our fall from truth. Notice thirdly with me, the foe of truth. The foe of truth, because that is found in John 8, verse, 34, or verse 44. John 8, verse 44. Speaking there of the devil, speaking there of Satan, it says that he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. This verse clearly shows how the devil is the enemy of truth. He is the great foe of truth. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, he has been the father of lies. He came to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, and he spoke those twisted words, hath God said, you shall not surely die. As we would say in Northern Ireland, he was lying through his teeth. God had said, and God had promised that in the day that Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would surely die. But the devil's tactic from the beginning is to lie, to get men and women to believe his lies, to twist God's word, and to get each of us to fall into lies, to fall away from truth. Adolf Hitler was a man who learned how to use a lie effectively. He once said, if you tell a lie big enough and tell it frequently enough, it will be believed. And has that not been Satan's tactic throughout history? Continually throws lies around the place. If you ever look into church history, you will see time and time again that heresy has crept into the church and the church has had to address it. It is heresy that opposes the truth of God. And the devil is active in seeking to bring error into our churches. He's not an idle foe. Ancient heresies are still around today. They're just under different names, under different guises. And that is why, child of God, you must know the truth. You must know the word of God so that you can recognize them. So that you can recognize those lies that the devil would seek to tell us. There are many lies that the devil will try and get you to believe. Thomas Brooks, he was a Puritan in the 1600s, and he wrote a book entitled Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And he outlines in that book the many devices that the devil will use to undermine the truth of God. 
These devices are in essence lies that he would seek to tell us. First of all, he says that he presents a golden cup, yet he hides the poison in that golden cup. He shows that sin can be sweet, that sin can be pleasurable, but he hides the horrible hook, the shame, the wrath, and the loss that would follow from drinking such a cup of sin. The devil also, he says, will paint sin in colors of virtue. Show sin to be a good thing. Pride, it's, it's just being pres- presented well and, and neat and clean. Covetousness is just to be good husbandry. Drunkenness is just good fellowship. These are virtuous things. That is what the devil will seek to say. He then says, thirdly, that he will lessen sin. If only we will take part in a little bit of pride, in a little worldliness, in a little drunkenness. You can commit sin a little, but your soul will live. It's another lie of the devil. He presents great men in their sin. The adultery of David, the impatience of Job, the drunkenness of Noah, the blasphemy of Peter. And he'll show you all of these sins, how great men have sinned, but yet they were saved. Yes, that is true, but he hides their tears, he hides their agonies, he hides their repentance from those sins. Fifthly, he presents God as one who is made up entirely of mercy. You don't need to fear about sin because God will forgive you, God will be merciful to you, no matter what you do, so have your fill of sin. These are all lies that the devil speaks. There are so many more that he speaks about, but these are just a few that I've wanted us to consider. The devil will spew out as many lies as he can if he will get you to think less of sin and the sin that you commit against God. And there are, these are the lies that he tells us in opposition to the truth. The truth is that sin is poisonous. It leads to death. The truth is sin is not virtuous, it is evil and immoral. The truth is that sin is not some little thing, but it is, as we've already said, cosmic treason against God. The truth is great men of the Bible did sin, but they recognized their sin for what it was, an offense against the holy God. And they repented of it. And they recognized and The truth is that God is a God of mercy, but though his mercy be lasting, it is not everlasting. Genesis 6 verse 3 tells us that God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. So please, listen to me tonight. Realize tonight that the devil and his lies oppose the truth. He is the great foe of truth. Because... That verse tells us in John 8 verse 44, there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So we've thought about the foe of truth. We have thought also about our fall from truth. And we have thought about the foundation of truth. Finally, There's hope. There is hope. Don't despair. Because we now think about the fulfillment of truth. John 14 verse 6. Those famous words. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of truth. He is the embodiment of truth. Jesus Christ was spoken of in John chapter 1. And in verse 14 it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then in John 1 verse 17 it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is the only one who is full of grace and truth. He is truth embodied. The sad thing today is that the world hates truth. And the world has always hated truth. And because of that, the world hates Jesus. Because he is the truth. The people back in Jesus' time hated the truth as well. They condemned the truth to the cross. They forced the truth to take cruel lashings from Roman soldiers. They made the truth carry his cross to Calvary. And there the truth was nailed upon that cross. On the cross the truth suffered for our sins. For your sins he bore the full weight of God's wrath against your sin. And on the cross the truth cried out it is finished. On the third day after he was buried, the truth rose again. And today he is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And one day the truth will come again as he said he would. Although this time he is not coming as a babe in Bethlehem. But he is coming as the judge of the earth. He will judge in perfect and complete truth because he is the truth. So please answer me this question tonight. Do you know the truth? You don't have to be honest with me. But be honest with yourself. Look into your own heart. Do you know the truth? Do you know Jesus who is the truth? Pilate asked that all important question. What is is truth and he never even realized that the truth was standing there right in front of him tonight my friend do you realize that once more jesus is being offered to you the truth is being offered to you his salvation that he purchased on the cross is being offered to you he being the only real truth He's offered to you once more in the gospel. John 8 verse 32 says there, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And knowing Christ, my friend, sets you free from sin. Frees you from guilt. Frees you from fear of tomorrow. Know the truth tonight. Know Jesus Christ. Do you know the truth? Do you know Jesus I wonder what will you do with the truth? Will you make light of it? Will you, like Pilate did, wash your hands of the truth and say, I want no more to do with it? Or tonight will you come to know the truth? Come to know Christ, whom to know is life 
eternal. What will you do with Jesus? Jesus.